Good afternoon, brethren. What a joy. I think, I hope Mr. Davis has opened his window. And God will give me enough sonority today. <laughs> brethren, it's always a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you. Let the peace of God be with you in this wonderful Sabbath day. Brethren, I had a very successful trip to Guatemala for a youth camp and to Mexico. And uh, I'm very thankful that God is keeping our borders in peace. After reading the book of, Num the book of Kings and the book of Chronicles, it very much depends on us most of the time to behave. <laughs> and then God takes care of things that we cannot take care of. But it's a great pleasure to go over those places and take care of our precious youth, dear brethren, in this dangerous world. Dr. Mary asked me to talk to you a little bit about the situations they have to face. They are around a border region between Guatemala and Mexico. Just to tell you some of the situations, the mayor of the town that I go through to cross from Guatemala to Mexico to take an airplane and fly into Mexico City, it's shorter that way, he's a drug dealer. And he was just re-elected to office. I asked our driver, who is a church member, he said, is this man still around? He, said, he, he just was re-elected. Imagine he controls the border town. And he's a drug dealer. Then, brethren, many things have happened to our brethren there. Dr. Meredith wanted me to mention this to you, so that you realize that the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy, his second epistle, that you know very well in chapter 3. I mentioned just a little bit of it to you, dear brethren. Chapter 2 Timothy chapter 3. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. So I tell you a few instances that have happened in recent months to our brethren in Guatemala, close to that border town. I was, had the pleasure to go with Dr. Wenay last year to our youth camp over there, and he saw the wonderful potential for leadership that we're having in those places, how God is preparing young leaders, and he fools us with joy. But at the same time, they're exposed to very difficult situations. For example, uh, the feast, not this last year, but before, our brethren, they are cabinet makers. Um, that's the main family whose, you know, brothers and sisters are married and their children are in the churches. It's a big extended family, most of it. They left someone in charge watching for their cabinet-making shop while they were at the feast. But someone got in there and he, they, they killed the person right there in the cabinet shop and stole a lot of their equipment. So uh, they came back from the feast to find that the man they have hired to watch for their equipment for their 
Things they need to make their living have been killed right in their premises. Then a few months ago, the head of the family, who is the elder, son of our local elder who, di who died a few years ago, Mr. Rocael Ralda, he went to the bank. He needed some money, about $1,000 in the equivalent of Guatemalan money, quetzales, and he needed to pay some of his employees and, and pay some bills. And someone followed him from the bank. You know, even the cashiers in the bank, they, they let people know who has a certain amount of money. He came into his house, and someone parked right behind him and went into the house, and they put a pistol on his head in front of his mother and his sister and a little girl there, his niece, and threatened him, give me your money, give me all your money. And he just mounted the pistol ready to shot him on the, on the head in front of his own mother. And they were praying and crying to God and begging those people, please don't kill him, here is the money, take it. That was just a few months ago. And then what happened, the man took the money, of course, and he left. And a few weeks later, the sister who was sitting there, who was a church member, went to buy some tacos in a little shop there in town. And the man who was about to kill her brother just walks in and commands some tacos for himself. There are, there's impunity. The corruption has gone so deep, brethren, in the, in the authorities, is rotten from the head to the toe, like is written in the book of Isaiah. It's impunity. And you remember what's written here in, in a book of Ecclesiastes by King Solomon. How he writes in chapter 8 and verse 11. You know the scripture, and that's what's going on in those places. Scriptures are being fulfilled. Dangerous times, brethren, because corruption goes from head to toe. I just mentioned to you, the mayor of the border town is a drug dealer. And then the police, you cannot trust the police. And uh, here we go, chapter 8 and verse 11 of the book of Ecclesiastes, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. And then another member, another, he's not baptized yet. I think he's getting ready for it. In the same town, just a little, a little town, a few 15 minutes, 20 minutes away. Then two people come and steal his truck. He's a welder. He has about three trades. He's very prosperous, hardworking man. And he works with the glasses. He, he set, you know, the windows for buildings and homes. And he has all the equipment to work with that and to make the frames for the windows in metal. So he's a prosperous young man. And then two guys come and tell him, we need your truck. And they take his truck away. He, ne he needed to let, the, let him take it, otherwise his life was at, at risk. And he had his truck loaded with all his equipment for his work. And then he went and started a lawsuit against the theft of his truck and his equipment. A few days later, they come back to him and say, you know, we're sorry for you loosening your truck. This is really cynicism, my brother. But we advise you to stop your lawsuit. Otherwise, watch out for the consequences. 
He didn't stop the lawsuit, brethren. He was walking to his house, and two shots, two bullets just were shot just in front of him, very closely. They were telling him, we mean business. He had to stop. He had been advised, by the way, to stop the lawsuit. And the men took the truck, and there's nothing you can do, brother. He's really getting to the extreme of fullness of iniquity when you cannot really live unless there's a God's protection. And then one of his sisters, who is a teacher, was coming back from work. And this is just not long ago, probably two or three months ago. She was coming back home from her teaching place in another village, and the robbers get into the, tr into the bus and start searching everybody around very quickly, and they put the, uh, a pistol in the head of the driver so he doesn't move, and they were searching everyone in the bus, and she was sitting on the aisle, just praying, praying, and they go to the person across the aisle, just a few, you know, one or two feet from her. She was next in line. And suddenly they hear a they cry from outside, let's get out. And the robber went, and she was spared by seconds. God's intervention. Then another one was going to the city of Guatemala where a road that I took with Dr. Weneo. Brethren, this is piling up in a horrible way. And nobody has, has been hurt physically. And she was with her two kids, wanted to see her husband who works there as a driver in Guatemala City. And while her kids were on vacation, he wanted to see her husband. And she was going up, and sure enough, robbers stopped the, the, the bus, and they get inside, and they start searching people, and they came to the man who was standing just in front of her, and the other guys were saying, what does he have? He said, if he doesn't have anything, shoot him. And she said to me, if they have shot him, the bullet would come to us. And she was covering her little kids like a hen there, and suddenly the man looks at her and tell her, tells her, I don't want to do anything to you. And they left. And she was spared. Then the owners of the little hotel where I stay, a doctor, a medical doctor and his wife, a medical doctor, the two of them. I knew them because I've, I've stayed there for 14 years since I've been going to that place. 14 or 15 years. It's a little hotel. I usually stay with the brethren, but there they have small homes and big families. So I stay with the, in that little hotel. It's a clean little hotel owned by a doctor and his wife, who was also a doctor. They were very rich people. And they had a hacienda for sale, a big property. So they found a customer who told them, okay, I'm interested. Let's, let's take a look at your hacienda. Then they met there at the place of the big farm or big hacienda was for sale. And at gunpoint, they forced them to sign the deed as if they were selling it without getting one penny for the property. And that was not enough. They were the two of them, the doctor, his wife, a doctor too, and a nurse. They took them to a town not far away. They killed the three of them. They dig a hole inside the house 15 feet deep. They buried them. And they put the floor back on the house, like expecting no one will ever find out about these people. And they took the property as if it had been sold to them. They forgot one thing. The cell phone of the doctor was on his pocket, where he was buried.
And from that depth, about 15 feet below the ground, they were able to catch the signal. They found them. I used to see them there at the reception of the hotel. They're gone. And it was a man who was an employee in a local bank who organized the whole thing. And there is more. Oh, just to tell you, brethren, we are really seeing the fulfillment of this scripture. And we know things are going, to, are going to get worse. So let's be ready, let's watch, and let's pray for our brethren. Nobody has been hurt physically. They all have been miraculously protected by the hand of God. But these things are happening so that we know in what times we're living. So I ask you to pray for them. They ask me to convey their love to you. They're very dedicated people. And I tell you, when you are living in circumstances like that, you are forced to get close to God. You know it's your only protection. You cannot church. You cannot even trust in the authorities. They have to trust in God. And in Psalm 91, I think that Mrs. Wenail sang, which probably will be understanding more deeply as things get worse in this world. Brethren, today I want to speak to you about a subject that is really something very... I don't know how to describe it, but it's about the world of spirits. They're getting a hold of society like probably never ever before in history of humankind. I, Dr. Mary gave a powerful sermon on Satan spirit war. And you should probably check it up and listen to it again. He gives us precious information. He's been, he taught the pieces of Paul more than anyone probably on the face of the earth. He understands those verses about the armor of God. He gave us a wonderful teaching and description of how we have to use that armor day by day. But the power of the spirit world, brethren, is getting to a point which really and is touching our members. I won't tell you places, but probably you are aware we have two youth in Europe possessed by demons this last summer. And there is someone else over there now who is showing signs. It is getting very close to home. It's a very serious thing. Dr. Mr. Ames published a wrote an article in the Tomorrow's World, September, October 2011, Dangers of the Occult. And he gives some statistics of the amazing, overwhelming success of Harry Potter and the Twilight uh, series. And I read a few of them. Uh, at the beginning of this article, The Dangers of the Occult. I ask permission to speak on the subject because, brethren, it is really threatening us very closely, more than we think. And Dr. Merritt, allow me to speak on this subject and probably will be a little contribution from God's Word on top of those that the work of God is given to us. So we are ready for the daily battle and the last battle, which is just across, just around the corner. You can, we can feel the time coming to an end, brethren. The last battle before the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth. And probably most of us will be witnessing. And God willing, all of us will be on those white horses 
coming down with Jesus Christ after the marriage of the Lamb to fight the nations deceived by the devil in his last effort to keep Jesus Christ from establishing God's kingdom on this earth. We are about to live more and more dramatic things in our lives. We know the wrath of the devil is about to be manifested once he is cast down from his last attempt to keep Christ from returning and putting him out of the government of this world because he has a throne of this world. You read that in chapter 2 of the book of Revelation in the Pergamos era. God speaks of the throne of Satan right down here. So we're living in a very, very dangerous times. And we, like the brethren in Guatemala, who are facing very risky situations physically, at the same time we can say ours are spiritually extremely risky. But we're seeing these massacres that are happening, and our own church has been the victim of it, brethren. Or someone has been possessed probably by the devil himself or some demon and came and killed some of our brethren. So we're not talking of things that are far away from us. They have affected us directly, our spiritual family. And you know what I'm talking about. So let's read a little bit the statistics about the success of these movies, brethren. The tremendous success. Christ said to, Satan said to Jesus Christ, he showed him the kingdoms of the world to him. He said to him, I give you all of this. It's being given to me if you kneel down and worship me. There are people doing that, brethren. They are worshiping the devil. They are having a great success. Why do they have such great success? They have a lot of invisible people working for them in the minds of people. That's why we can preach the truth in a powerful way, brethren. And we just barely get a few thousand responses. When these preachers, I know in Mexico City, they start preaching and in two or three years they have three, five thousand people attending their churches. We are not preaching a message popular to the world, but the time is coming and God willing we'll have time to look at it today. The wonderful news. When cast, Satan will be cast out and his demons too. And the veil that covers all nations will be taken away, brethren. That gives us hope, and I want to finish this message with hope. And I announce it from now, if I don't have time to touch the scriptures, beautiful scriptures. There is a veil that covers all nations and all people. We're bare, minimum people are not deceived, brethren, but we have to act accordingly. Here it says, it says Mr. Ames, in his article, The Dangers of the Occult, Millions around the world are pursuing astrology, witchcraft, and the occult. Are they sowing seeds of doom and destruction? Are these just harmless hobbies? Or can you face real dangers if you double in the occult? Earlier this year, Harry Potter and the Deadly Hallows, Part 2, set a record on its first day in theaters, taking 92 Point one million across the United States on Friday, July 15, smashing the previous record by nearly 20 million. That old record was held by another occult-themed movie, The Twilight Saga, 
new moon, which took 72.7 million on its November 20th, 2009 release date. I will read a little bit here more. With the new Harry Potter movie bringing more than 475 million in its first weekend of release, there is no doubt that the occult remains big boss office and big business. Seven of the top 25 money-making films of all time are from the eighth film Harry Potter series, a series that has already earned more than five billion, five billion in ticket sales. Brethren, this is a conspiracy at a scale that we cannot fully fathom, brethren. This is the preparation for something extremely dramatic that is about to happen on this earth. Right before the return of Jesus Christ, we have to be ready. One of the things probably I wanted to, to mention to you today, things that most of you know, but that we cannot take for granted. And we need to know and pull the curtain where they hide these powers behind the scenes. And people are attracted because there is a magnetic, dark power. I've seen little bits of a Harry Potter movie because I was on an airplane, Aeromexico, flying to Mexico City, and they used those cameras with it was one movie for everybody. So I could have a good glimpse of the darkness and how they use this unknown world. And people are deceived. They don't really know where it comes from, but they feel attracted to it, fascinated by this kind of suspense that always stays covered by a dark veil. You never know exactly what we know, but people don't know exactly what's behind it. And they cultivate the unknown, so they can manipulate people by the fear of the unknown. It's always like a mystery, which is not for us. So today, I'm going to try to pull the curtain and show from God's word how did they come to exist? And that's a good thing. We learned that. I was fascinated when I read Mr. Armstrong's amazing explanation based 100% of the Bible using his principle, do not believe me, believe your Bible. How the Bible interprets itself. And we know when they started. We know who gave them their existence. We know many things about them. We know how they act. And we know how we should counteract their power on our minds. We know all those things. So let's review a little bit, as time allows here, how did they come to exist? Most of you know it, but it's important to review these things for those that probably have been shorter among us here for a shorter time. And it's important. Once you know, the truth will set you free. The truth. When you know and the light of God shows us exactly what's behind, then those fears and that suspense and that fascination is completely banished by the power of the light of the Word of God. So let's go to the beginning. How did they come to exist? We should go to this powerful light. Christ said, I am the light of the world David says, your word is a lamp to my path. And then in John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, in him was light. And he will bring us 
to the beginning. How did they come to exist, these beings? How did they come? How did they turn what they are today? You know it, but let's review it for a moment. Brethren, it is important. Let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. You know, the English language is very precise for technical matters. Each language has its strong points and weak points. Here, in English, there is a, there, a tense that doesn't exist in English. You know, someone who believes that Christ was created can come and tell you, in the beginning was the Word. That means he had a beginning. But you know, in the Greek language, in the Latin language, and in the Romance languages, there is a tense called the imperfect. I mean, it doesn't sound very good to, to talk about Jesus Christ, but it means exactly in the beginning. Or it's like saying, before the beginning, the word was. That's what it means. In Greek, that's what it means in French, in Latin. He had no beginning. The statement here means exactly the opposite of what some superficial reader from some denominations I don't want to mention, they used to say, there he was. In the beginning he was, he was created. What the Bible is telling is exactly the opposite in the Greek language. He had no beginning. When the beginning was, he already was. That's what the imperfect tense will clearly tell you when you're reading this in another language. And that's a lack in, in, in English, but we have enough information to conclude exactly what it means. Well, that means he had no beginning. The spirit world had a beginning. He gave them a beginning. Let's read here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. That's a beautiful brethren. He was in the beginning. There he is. It's now more clear. He was in the beginning. I mean, when the beginning was, he already was. Excuse me for the redundance here. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. The only two beings that share the name eternal, Yahweh, our God the Father and Jesus Christ were called here the Word and God. They had no beginning. No, nothing in the universe has that name. The eternal, like Mr. Armstrong advised us to translate the name of God, Yahweh, means the one who has always existed, the ever-living one. No one else in the universe has that characteristic. He is the eternal. And like Dr. Merritt explained, but this is another subject. He gives us the seed of eternity that only he can transmit to give us and convey that unique characteristic that he has through the Holy Spirit. But that's an amazing, he is explaining your ultimate destiny. Uh, that booklet is good to read, to read again. Your ultimate destiny. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. That's where we are in this world today. We have the light of Jesus Christ through our broadcasts, our magazines, our preaching. 
and darkness did not comprehend it. Well, time is coming soon, brethren. So everything was created by him and through him. Let's look at another scripture that you already know, but it's important to know who gave an origin to the spirit world. It's someone who had not an origin. It was before everything else. Only two beings share that characteristic in the whole universe. Only two beings, the Father and Jesus Christ. And I could make a story here. When Yahweh sometimes speaks of the Son, of Jesus Christ sometimes, even he said to the Jews, Abraham saw my day, and he was happy to see my day. He said, they said to him, oh, you don't even have, you are not even 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Brethren, that's a powerful statement. Before Abraham was, I am. That's exactly the same word he said to Moses in chapter 3 of the book of Exodus when he sent him to Egypt. I am sent me to you. That's the eternal. And Christ used that for himself. And then when Yahweh said to Adonai, sit at my right hand until I made your enemies your first tool in Psalm 110, it is the Father speaking and it's Yahweh who's speaking. So the two share that name. It's marvelous. It's just wonderful. I, I would like to say more about that because I have an interview with a Jew in Mexico who is very interested in what we're preaching, but they don't get it. They cannot understand there were two beings that were one, one God. I said to him, he was sitting with his wife. Over there, you are one and your wife are one. That's one plus one. God says you be one. What's the problem? There's no mystery. <laughs> anyway... Brethren, it's so simple for us. We thank God. It's so clear. So let's go to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, and we see another proof of who gave origin to the spirit world. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, and here it is. More detail. We already saw in John that he, gave the, he was the one by whom all things were created. Here we have more details, visible and invisible. Chapter 1 of Colossians and verse 16, it says, For by him all things were created. That we just read in John chapter 1. That are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones, dominions, or principalities, or powers... All things were created through him and for him. It's interesting, brethren, that these names of angels, those are category, angelic categories. Those that rebel kept those titles. You see it in Ephesians 6, and he's speaking of the host of darkness, the followers of Lucifer, the devil. They also, let's look for it for a moment, just as information, we'll get back to it. Ephesians chapter 6, brethren, and you're going to see that those unclean spirits, in the beginning, were not unclean, as we're going to see in a moment. And in chapter 6 of Ephesians, it says, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness, of this age against spirits hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So they are the same type of category that were created before they became wicked. 
So it's important to understand that, how the Bible interprets itself. There's a marvelous understanding God has given us through His Spirit. So He describes here, again in Colossians, He didn't create an wicked. They became wicked, and we can tell that very easily from the Word of God. By Him all things were created, 1.16, that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or principalities or powers, all things were created through him, by him, and for him. Now, what happened? Okay, what is the next thing that we know? They were created before humankind was created, even before the planet and the universe. Apparently, the invisible beings that were composed of spirit, that were created spirits, they were not begotten by God. That's the huge difference between the sons of God who are the angels created by fiat. God spoke and they existed. We are begotten by that seed that existed and exists from eternity. We have an element in us that is the essence of God himself. Brethren, it's a superb knowledge God has given us. So there is a big difference. So let's look at how do we know that they were created before mankind was created. That's important to know. How did they come to exist? Of course, when you read in chapter 1, verse 20 of the book of Revelation, you know there is symbolism and the Bible interprets itself, and I know most of you know this, but let's review it. Chapter 1 and verse 20 of the book of Revelation, the Bible interprets itself. It says here, The mystery of the seven stars, 120 of Revelation, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. So according to the Bible, in certain context, and we are going to see the context is right, stars are angels. So, when they were created, we know they were created before God created the visible world, before the Big Bang, probably your brethren. Let's go to the book of Job. And the church has explained this many times, but it's important, like I say, to, to move the curtain and show what's behind the scenes. How did they come to exist? Who made them? And what are they trying to do? And how we can defend ourselves? And what is their end destiny, the final destiny? Chapter 38 of the book of Job and says here, let's start beginning, reading verse 1. And the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is he who darkness counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I led the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars, what are we saying here? The morning stars sang together. We just saw what the meaning of stars. In this context, 
the invisible beings, the thrones and the powers and principalities had already been created when God started creating the universe and the earth. When all the when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That was a marvelous event. God showing his power to create. They probably didn't know what he was planning to do because he had promised eternal life before the beginning of time. And this was the beginning of time. Therefore, God already had a plan. But the angels are servants, and the servants do not always know what their master is about to do. And they find out things about God's plan through us, through our preaching, because we have the Spirit of God, the mind of God that searched the deep things of God, the mind of Jesus Christ. They don't have it, brethren. It's just an amazing thing to think about. So, there are sons of God, and in the book of Job, chapter 1 and verse 6, you know that they were created, sons by creation, not by begetal, which is a much more higher calling to be the very family of the living God. Chapter 1 and verse 6 of the book of Job, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. So there are sons by creation. And Satan was not created as Satan. We'll see that in a moment. In chapter 2 of the book of Job again, again there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Let's keep this in mind. It's probably the only truth he said in the whole Bible, coming from the devil. His father lied. He couldn't tell a lie to God. So he said, where are you coming from? He had to tell him. He couldn't lie to God. He knew it. From going to and fro on the earth. And from walking back and forth on it. You know, you can add here the, piece, the, the quote from First Peter chapter 5. Like a roaring lion seeking who may he devour. That's why he goes around. Like a roaring lion. So we can put those two together. And in chapter, in verse 6, also in verse 7 of the chapter 1, he is the same answer. Twice. Let's keep that in mind. So I don't have to go back to it. No, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. That's exactly what he does. We can take this because there are other scriptures that, that one of Peter that clarifies that's a truism, probably the only one coming out of his mouth because Christ called him the father of lies. He only can speak lies. Now, okay, so we know how did they come to exist? Very easy, brethren. Amazing God's word. Chapter 28 to the book of Ezekiel. 28, a little bit here, a little bit there. We have, you all you know these things, but it's important to go back and have a clearer picture of this world that is besieging us. Now, much more closely than we think. 
Here is Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God. It's amazing. He's speaking of a human being, but we're going to see he's speaking of a spirit being, and this is about to happen again in our days. Yes, there is someone who's being prepared to be possessed. And we'll talk about that in a moment. He's, the plan is ready, but we can know his plans ahead of time and be ready. Like Dr. Merritt explains in that sermon, know your enemy. Here we know what is in his mind. So he says, you were the seal of perfection. Mr. Armstrong explained, it was about the most perfect creature God can produce by creation. With the difference, those that would be begotten by him would be more powerful and would be part of God himself, as we are part of our parents. A different kind. This time from explaining there is the spirit of God, there is the angelic spirit, and there is the spirit in man. The three types of spirits. We should review those things because it's an amazing knowledge that allows us to understand many things in God's Word. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Perfect in beauty. Wisdom and beauty. Keep that in mind. Those are wonderful gifts, but are the cause of pride. Most common causes of pride are riches, beauty, and wisdom. Intelligence. So we have to be careful. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. So he describes all these amazing things. God gave everything to him from creation. Remember, he was not tested beforehand. God is testing us before he gives us even more than he's given to him. So nobody follows his ways. So we've been, we've been tested now. Being faithful in what is little. You were the anointed cherub who covers. Mr. Armstrong understood that there were three main powerful angels. You know, Michael is called an archangel. God created three. Mr. Armstrong called it super archangels. But actually, the only one called an archangel is Michael, which means who is like God. And he is, in Jude verse 9, He's called an archangel. And he always appears overcoming Lucifer. But let's go. Let's not get ahead here of the, of the story. You were the anointed cherub who covers. Mr. Samuel thought there were three of them who spread their wings upon the throne of God. When Moses saw the arch in the mountain, and he had to make a model according to what was shown to him in the mountain, he had to put two cherubs of glory that will spread their wings upon the throne of God. Only two. Probably before there were three. But this one had been banished from God's presence, from God's throne. Although he still has access from time to time. And his days are number two to reach the throne of God. We saw in the book of Job that he still can go over there to accuse us. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were in the holy mountain of God. 
where God's government is administered. Up in heaven, but he also was in charge of administering the earth before the creation of man. We know that when Adam and Eve were created, the snake was already there. So it's easy to know. They were created and they were in charge of the administration of the earth. You walk back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You are perfect in all your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. He generated iniquity with, with his own free will. He sinned. He put himself in the place of God. He broke the first commandment. He wanted to be God. And when we are proud, that's what we are. That's what pride is a sin. Pride means to put ourselves in the place of God. I do whatever I want to do. I'm self-willed. That's pride. It comes directly from this invisible being. He was the first one. He broke the first commandment. They sinned. Iniquity was found in him. He forgot who gave him all his blessings and his power. And he decided to overthrow God from his world. We're going to see that we even know what he was thinking through this word who penetrates all things, the light of God that pierces like a double-edged sword. Till iniquity was found in you by the abundance of your trading. You know, it's traffic. I have read some commentaries that said the abundance of your slandering. He created, he debated the first political campaign. He created the first political party, one-third of the angels, and he attended the first coup d'etat in the story of the universe. Through lies. What do we hear in polit political campaigns? That's why we don't take part in the politics of this world. They were invented by Satan the devil. Through political campaign based on lies. He's the father of lies. And he convinced one-third of the angels to follow him. He convinced them that God was not fair. He probably convinced them, I will give you more power than it was being given to us. And they follow him. That was the first political party created through lies. That's why we don't take part in the politics of this world. That's why we don't use that system in the church of God. We respect the government of God. Well, there's no divisions. One third of the angels were under his command. And all indications are that Gabriel, which means the mighty man of God, Gabriel, he rules over one third, Michael over one third, and Lucifer over the other third. Those are the only three names revealed of angels in the Word of God. There is the Apocrypha and the Deuterocanonical books do mention other names of angels. Those books are not inspired by God. And they want to seduce people to start worshiping angels. And what something to say about, I have more, so much to say to you, brethren. I don't want to lose track of my... Man, I'm going too, too slow. So, why uh, I am telling you things that, things that you already know. And it says, by the abundance of your trading, he was slandering. He's the father of lies. He put himself in the place of God. He broke the first commandment. He starts slandering God. He blasphemed his, his name. He broke the third commandment. He dishonored his father. He broke the fifth commandment because he is a son of God. He dishonored his father. He wanted to rob 
the place of God. He gave false witness, false witness by the trafficking to the other angels. And he coveted the dwelling and the power of God. He broke all the commandments because you break one. You are guilty of all them, all of them. You start going through the commandments and Satan broke most of them at once. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence. There it is. You start cultivating these attitudes, and you become filled with violence, which is what we are seeing today with these deranged young people that go and kill others. I will try to explain how he works, because... And you sinned. Of course you sinned. You broke most of God's laws. Therefore, all of them, according to what the Scripture... Scripture teaches us. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the, out of the mountain of God and destroyed you, O covering cherub. Now, what was going on in his head? Chapter 14 of the book of, Jer of Isaiah. We know what he was thinking. Amazing how the Word of God can reveal things to us. What was going on in the mind of the devil before even man was created? We know it here. There is no other source in the universe except God himself, of course, that can reveal things like that to us so we know what we're dealing with. Chapter 14, Isaiah, verse 12. How you are falling from heaven, O Lucifer. Lucifer means the start or the morning. Remember that three names revealed in God's word. Start of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You who weaken the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, who is putting himself in the place of God, breaking the first commandment, you shall know, you have no other gods before me. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. He was coveting the throne of God on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the, above the heights. Of the clouds, I will, I will be like the most high. And some commentaries in some translations say, I will be the most high. He coveted the function of God, which he was not created for. He was created to be a servant of those that would inherit salvation. He did not accept his role. You shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. So we know what was going on in his head, brethren, and we know that one-third of the angels follow him. Dr. Mary explained that very clearly in chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. Chapter 12 of the book of Revelation, we know one-third of the angels of the stars were under his command by deduction here. Chapter 12 of the book of Revelation, verse 3. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Now, what happened when they rebelled, brethren? God had a plan. And he continued with his plan to create humankind and to transfer to them the seed of eternity that he only carries. That's the genetic characteristic of God 
is being transferred to us through his seed, the, the Holy Spirit. When a being transfers, fathers another one, it transfers his genetic characteristics. We have the genetic characteristic of eternity through the Spirit of God, the only one who has immortality. Even the angels and the Lucifer, they don't have immortality because the only one who has immortality is God. That's in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6. So here in Revelation, he, with his tail, he threw, he drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Now, what happened when they sinned? They all broke, practiced the Ten Commandments. Because they sinned, what happened? This is important to understand the whole picture, brethren. I'm going a little bit here, a little bit there, and you know this picture. And what happened? Let's read Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. And this is a very important concept. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. And it says here, Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, they had another God, Lucifer. In Hebrew is Hillel, the morning star. They put them as their God. And they broke all the commandments I told you about. They coveted, they lied, they bear false witness. They broke all the laws of God. God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell. The word here is Tartaro, or Tartaros in Greek. What does that mean? The church of God, the bulwark and pillar of the truth, has explained this. See, they cast down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. That's the angels. Chains of darkness. What does that mean? Let's look at Jude chapter, I mean Jude, it's one chapter, verse 6. And we see the same concept. Jude, verse 6. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, I mean they follow Satan in their attempt to overthrow God from his throne, but let their own habitation he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. And let's look one more concept here, because this is important to understand. God says it to us three times, at least three times in the Scriptures. Let's look at First Peter, First Peter and chapter 3 and verse 18. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. He says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Some people think it's when he died in the spirit, in the immortality of the soul, which is the main deception of the devil. The first lie he, he told humankind was, you will not die. Christ died. He was completely unconscious. The people do not read correctly 
When did he go and preach to, to the demons? Here it is. By, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient. When were disobedient? Before humankind was created. They disobeyed. I already proved that to you. When once, this is when Christ went to preach to them, once the, the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. So Christ preached to the demons. When the flood was about to come, probably he said, look what you have caused. It's interesting. They are reserved for judgment too. But what does that mean in chains of darkness? Brethren, the church has explained, explained the, the, the term that the Apostle Peter uses in Second Peter 2 and verse 4. That's not a place. That's a condition. It's a state of restriction. Christ said that Satan is a murderer from the beginning. And let's understand how he works, if I can convey this to you. Let's read chapter 8 of John and verse 44. It says, You are of the father of the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and a father of it. Now, why does God put him in a condition of restriction, brethren? If he's a murderer from the beginning, and we're going to see that, the first murder on record is Cain killed his brother Abel. If he is a murderer, brethren, if he were not put under restriction in the Tartaro, we can prove that's not a place. Because in Ephesians chapter 6, God says they are turning, they are flying around in the atmosphere. They are loose. And people that practice spiritism, they invoke spirits and demons, and they come very quickly. They come, they are around, brethren, and there are haunted houses where people invite them, they give place to the devil, they come, and they stay there. They start manifesting themselves when they have been called upon. But that means they are not in a... In chains of darkness doesn't mean a place. It's a condition. Why? If the devil is a murderer, and he's... Why do you think these people, when they are possessed, they go and kill? That these children that we just called, we just killed, just a few, a few days ago. And the other one in that cinema on the first... Uh, show of the Batman. Why do they go and kill people? They give room to the devil, who he can do what he cannot do in the state he is. That's why they are going around. So who gives room to them? Who invokes them? Who has a relationship with them? Eventually they get into the person. And the church of God has been victim of that. Usually there are angry spirits. People that do not control anger. We're going to see that in a moment. So that's how he is relieved of his restriction. They possess a human being and they can go and kill. Otherwise they cannot kill. They are restricted. They are in Tartaro. That's important to understand that concept. But once humans let them in, 
Then they go ahead and do it as you have seen and watched and we have seen in the last few weeks and last few years. These cases have been multiplying. That's people give room because there's more and more influence. More and more influence. So they are first with the person. They always mimic God and eventually in the person. And then they push people to murder. Let's see how it works. Here is the example. Remember, Abel offered a sacrifice to God. It was pleasing to God. And Cain offered a sacrifice that God did not accept. And he became extremely angry. And look at the words that God tells him. He says, in chapter 4, the book of Genesis, brethren, this is very important to understand because if I can only explain this point here, and he says here, in verse 4 of chapter 4 of Genesis, Abel also brought of the first links of his flock and of their fat. And verse 3, and the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Verse 4, Abel also, Abel also brought of the first links of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Remember, brethren, even ourselves, the Apostle Paul says, I don't have time to go there, chapter 3 of his first epistle. If we hate someone, we're angry with someone, we are murderers. And no murderer has eternal life in him. If we do not bring captive every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ, brethren, we'll be easy victims of this invisible world which is based on transgressions of God's law. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. Verse 6, so the Lord, uh, and, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. That means we have an option to say no. That's what God is saying there. And the devil would not be able, would not have been able to kill Abel because he is restrained in the Tartarus condition. He needs a human to open the door. And God is warning Cain, sin lies at the door. That's when we open the door for demons to come into ourselves and we lose control of ourselves with all these games, with all these movies that glorified violence and made heroes of people that do not control their anger and that take revenge. That's exactly what he needs. Here he says, you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. You know, Satan could not come and kill Abel. He needed someone to let him in. That's why we have to be careful. Our church has been victim of this, brethren. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Now let's look at Ephesians, brethren. And the picture is clear. And you see how it's a warning for us, for church members. We have to be extremely careful, brethren. In Ephesians, you find the same picture 
drawn to us by the Apostle Paul, inspired by God. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. Therefore, put in a way line, each one speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Listen to this, verse 36, 26. Be angry and do not sin. What did God say to Cain? Why are you so angry? He sinned it as the door. You still can rule over it. You can say no. That's a warning for us. And here it is written, right here in the book of Ephesians. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Once we give room to wrath and bitterness, brethren, we are an easy prey to the devil. Very easy. Do be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness. Do not let these things resist the devil. He will flee from you. Nor give place to the devil. There you have it, brethren. Exactly what God was describing to Cain. Why are you so angry? Sin is at the door. And here God is telling us, don't let your anger go beyond sunset. And B, do not give place to the devil. I'm going to read to you a little story here about what just happened. I was looking here in this uh, <clears throat> magazine called The Week, who makes a good synthesis of all the other magazines. This is January 2013. Let's look what it says here about this young man who went and killed all these children. This is a warning for us, brethren. He says, Lanza, the last name of this young man, stood out from early age, said DailyMail.co.uk. At Sandy Hook Elementary School, said a former classmate, Lanza stood alone at recess, looking angry and making animal-like noises. People do not have discernment, brethren. They think it's just a psychological or psychiatrist problem. They do not discern spirits, and that's why this thing is multiplied. They cannot detect the presence of animal being inside. He was already possessed. He was already on the strong influence of a demon or devil himself. We will have detected it, I hope, brethren, if we are close enough to God and have discernment of spirits. And it says here, Family friends and former school officials said Lanza had Asperger's syndrome. You see, they gave names to these things. A high-functioning form of autism, but also a more serious psychological disorder. He lived with his mother, who bought all his guns, by the way. His mother trained him at the range, so he would learn to be responsible. What ignorance, brethren. Let God keep us from this ignorance. I don't want to say another word. He lived with his mother, Nancy, in their 1.6 million new town home, and family friends said he spent much of his time in the windowless basement playing violent 
video games. Watch out, young people. The devil is after you. And all this fascination with all these movies that make heroes. And you know one of the biggest deceptions of those movies, of Harry Potter and the Lord of the Rings and the Twilight, they make people believe, and one of our children in Europe believe this lie, that certain spirits are their friends, and they protect them from the other spirits that are their enemies. That's how Harry Potter stuff functions. That's an absolute lie. That's a very clever way to deceive the youth. Christ said to us, the kingdom of Satan is not divided. And the success he's having is a proof of it. Satan is not against Satan. He has, like a dictator, absolute power over one-third of the angels. They are not divided. They cannot come and be friends with this young boy and start attacking the others. They are not divided. That's one of the most clever ways to deceive them. That's why they read this, the Lord of the Rings and, and Harry Potter and Twilight. You know, the vampire. What is the vampire? Sucks your blood. What is your life? In the blood. Who is the devil? A murderer. He seeks to take out your life, who is in your blood. It's so obvious to us, brethren. We should keep ourselves so alert of all these things. So that's the way they work. They need people to heed to them. And one last thing I want to mention it. Never, ever, in the word of God, a servant of God did worship angels or even invoke them. They always went straight to God. And let's look at the warning, because many people are becoming fanatic of worshiping angels. And let's read exactly what Paul says in Colossians, brethren, here. Book of Colossians. He says, two eighteen, two eighteen of Colossians. Let no one defraud you of your reward. That's a warning for us. Taking delight in false humility and worship of angels. Intruding into those things which has, he has not seen. So, you know, they don't know what's behind like we do. They don't know what they're getting into when they start worshiping angels. Vainly puffed up by their, his fleshly mind. Remember, brethren, the only mediator between man and God is Jesus Christ. Let's, let's look at it. First Timothy, please, brethren. So we are not to seek communication with, with angels. First Timothy, and it says, 2, verse 5. 1 Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You know, some of these sects, the Athenians, they thought if you knew the secret name of angels, you had access to God through them. The only one we can use to go is directly to God. Let's read a few examples here so you have absolute proof. And never... An angel that has been faithful to God has accepted worship by a human person, human being. Never. Let's look at what happened to John when after the revelation of the marriage of the Lamb 
in the, almost the whole book of Revelation, he was so impressed that we read in chapter 19 and verse 10. I'm going to read this quickly. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and your brethren and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The angel forbade John from worshiping him. And let's look how, what are they in, in Ephesians chapter, in Hebrews chapter 1. Let's look at this quickly here, brethren. Hebrews chapter 1. What are they? What is their function? In the verse 14. Hebrews 1.14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? So they are sent to minister us, but we are not to worship or seek them. Let's look at Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, dear brethren, and you have a proof of that. Chapter 9. In the first year of Darius, verse 1, the son of Ahasuerus of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord given through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God. He was straight going to God to make request by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes, and prayed to the Lord my God, and made confession, and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant. Now, let's look what happened. When you read a little bit further on, in verse 20, he says, Now, while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sin, and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening sacrifice. Verse 23, at the beginning of your supplication, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved before, consider the matter and understand the vision. He was not seeking any angel. He was seeking God, and God sent one of his servants to convey a message. In chapter 10, you read exactly the same thing. He says in verse 12, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel 10:12. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. And let's look at another example in the book of Acts, chapter 10. Acts, chapter 10. And it says here, there was, in verse 1, a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what? was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with his household, who gave alms generously to people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, 
he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. All of them, you don't find one single example where a servant of God was searching a contact with angels. People that search a contact with angels, they enter in contact with demons. That's automatic, my dear brethren. So there are many other things I would love to say. Time is over. We'll continue next time.